Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Frequency, hearing God's voice in a very, very, very noisy, increasingly noisy world. And I know that for you sometimes is difficult. It's hard. And it's not like we, we don't recognize his voice. We do. We do recognize his voice. You know, I recognize my grandson's voice when he's calling for me and I'm in the other room doing something. He goes, hello, hello. I know it's his voice. But because I'm doing something, I don't immediately drop it. I think sometimes that's what happens. We, we're, we recognize God's voice. We, we, know what, we know that voice. But our actions and, well, I'll just say my actions, my, my, uh, my uh, inactions keep me from going to the source of that voice. Because sometimes I like my own noise. It's the noise I'm making. Why wouldn't I like it? It's what I'm doing at the moment. Is the, look, I'm preparing a sermon. Holy work. Sacred work. And it is. But you know that sometimes God will interrupt my sermon prepping to get my attention? Just like a, a four-year-old will come in and say, whatever you're doing right now is not important as me. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Hello. So I thank I thank I thank my grandson for teaching me a, a lot this this ten days about hearing God's voice. When we talk about hearing God's voice, one of the ways that we started off this whole sermon series in was that we can hear God through Jesus. So it got me thinking. What does Jesus sound like? What does he sound like? What does his his voice sound like? I said, that's a good question, God. What does your son's voice sound like? I'm walking with Jesus for over 60 years. You you think I would know what his voice sounds like. But God was asking a deeper thing. And I came across this verse in John 7, verse 46. It's an incredible statement about Jesus. The chief priests and the Pharisees have sent the temple guards out to arrest Jesus. And they come back empty-handed. And the, and the Pharisees and the chief priests are really upset with them. And they, you know, they can't figure out why you didn't, why didn't you bring him back? Why didn't you arrest him? They came back empty-handed and they said this. No one ever spoke like this man. No one ever spoke like this man. The frequency that Jesus spoke with disturbed their plans, their intentions, their agenda. So much so that they came back empty-handed, but wondering, how could this man speak with such authority and power? No one ever spoke like this man. Ever. No microphones. No microphones. No recording devices. This man, no one ever spoke like this man. His voice disrupted the noise around him like no one ever heard before. Penetrating, 
disrupting plans and agendas. No one ever spoke like Jesus. And when Jesus spoke, people listened. They didn't always obey. didn't always like what he said. didn't always agree with what was coming out of his mouth. But they listened. Because no one ever spoke like this man before. One of the ways that Jesus spoke with such authority and such power and such creativity was the use of parables. He took parables, these stories about everyday stuff, like seeds and dough, and mixed it with stories about treasure and pearls. And made weave these wonderful expressions of life in the kingdom of God. Bringing it down to people's levels. The culture of that time was to talk in parables, to talk with stories, to talk with word pictures, so that, so that people couldn't understand what you were trying to convey, the, the point of the story. And Jesus, these parables had a moral truth to them. And Jesus was using things like the weather just to get people to understand the frequencies of the kingdom of God. No one ever spoke like this man. His communicating held you captive. And Jesus even engaged with multiple senses when he was teaching about life with him. He says, come and see. When disciples were wondering where he was sleeping. Come and see. He says this a lot throughout the Gospels. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. He used touch to teach Thomas. That the resurrection was real. All these things were invitations. All these, all these examples of multi-sensory things. Everything was an invitation not to just to hear his voice, but to hear what his life was all about. No one ever spoke like this man. And he used the Passover meal. Listen to this. This wonderful story of remembrance filled with tales of hardship and redemption. A meal using wine. Imagine that. To talk about his blood. Using different tasting foods and prayers and songs. The smell and taste of bitter herbs. And the sweet taste of, I think it's called, heroset. A mixture of apples and, and figs and spices. The different contrasting tastes of bitterness and sweetness. To tell this wonderful story of redemption. No one ever spoke like this man. Weaving so many stories and powerful truths. Talking from the book of Psalms and from the prophets and from the Torah. Weaving it all together in a story. So this is what my father is like. This is what my father's kingdom is like. This is what following me means. Hello? Hello? There's a plea in Jesus' communication. It's a, it's a plea to know the Father. It's a plea to know who He is. And what life with Jesus means. No one ever spoke like this man. And no one still doesn't speak like Jesus. It's powerful stuff. Jesus spoke like no one else because Jesus listens like no one else. 
The way that Jesus listens to people speaks volumes. The way Jesus hears people is loud and unmistakable and undeniable. No one speaks like Jesus because no one listens like Jesus before. Jesus made listening to the Father and communion with the Father in prayer a priority. He spoke of the things that he knew about his Father and that he heard from his Father. John twelve forty nine. I have not spoken of my own, but the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say, how to say it. And Jesus spoke like no one else because Jesus listened like no one else. He listened to his Father. He knew his Father. He knew his Father's heart. He knew his Father's mission. He knew his Father's plan. And he knew his Father's words. And yet he still listened how to deliver those words. Man, what an example. John five nineteen. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Like Father, like Son. John seventeen eight. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them. And have known surely that I have come from you, and they have believed that you sent me. And one more, John fourteen ten. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own. Instead, it is the Father dwelling in me, performing his works. Do you think that Jesus values his Father's words? That he values listening to the Father. And we see example, an example of Jesus going off to be still and receive from the Father. So that he could minister the Father's plan. It's beautiful, this example for us. But there's, there's a story in Matthew 9 that I'd like to read to you and, and dig deep into. Because I think... This is where the voice of Jesus speaks very loudly. Matthew 9, starting in verse 9. And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at a table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, Jesus, when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go And learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is a powerful little passage. Jesus is saying some very loud and very specific things in this passage. And I love it. I love the voice of the Master here. His frequencies 
are making the religious leaders angry. But not courageous because they go to his disciples and not to him first. (laughs) See, there's a level of intimidation here. They go to his disciples and say, you know, what's the deal here? Why is your master, why is your teacher eating with all these sinners? And sinners in the Jewish faith at this point, sinners were anybody that didn't, were outside the Jewish faith. Didn't matter what you were. And tax collectors were worse. Because tax collectors were their own people betraying them by collecting taxes for Rome. So if you were a tax collector, you were also a sinner. And you were an enemy of the Jewish people. And because you associated yourself with them, and because you sat down and ate a meal with them, which was kind of like a very friendly, very personal thing to do, you were now an enemy as well. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, are torqued. They're ticked off. They can't understand what's going on. They go to his disciples. Jesus hears it and will have none of it. None of it. I love the, how the, the force that the master speaks up here. It is absolutely beautiful. Jesus speaks up and says, Hey guys, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the sick. And the Greek word here means diseased, either morally or physically. I'm here for the diseased. I'm not here for you. I'm here for them. That's why I'm here. This is why I was sent for. I was sent to reach them. When he says I'm calling, the Greek word here is, I am calling them with a loud voice. I am inviting them into my presence. I got invited to dinner, but I am inviting them in. I'm not here for you. I'm not inviting you. I'm inviting them. The people that you reject. The people that you look down on. The people that you call an enemy. I came for them. I came for them. And it's a, he's starting this conversation with them. That, that he, and he's also inviting them into this conversation. He calls out the Pharisees with this incredible statement. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. Not sacrifice. Jesus was quoting Hosea at this point who centuries before was addressing the nation of Israel for their level of idolatry and and how they were caring for the poor in their country. He's quoting Hosea, who says in Hosea 6.6, For I desire mercy. Hebrew word for mercy there means steadfast love and loyalty and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. He's calling out and he says, Hey, go and learn what that means. Go learn about mercy. Go learn what your prophet said about mercy versus sacrifices. That, you know what, we're going to treat people bad. We're, we're going to hate on people. 
we're going to worship ourselves, our pleasures, but we're going to do an animal sacrifice to make it all better. Jesus says, I'm not having any of that. Your God doesn't have any of that. I desire mercy. The kind of mercy that is loyal to my heart. The kind of mercy that says, Father, whatever you tell me to do, whatever you tell me what to say, that I'm going to stay loyal to and I'm going to show mercy. You take your sacrifices. You can burn anything you want. It won't matter to me. But if you burn for me, if your heart burns for me, You'll understand what mercy is. Because you'll understand me. See, the knowledge of God is to learn about mercy. He's urging the, the Pharisees to go back to the book. To relearn these lessons from Hosea. You're missing something. You're missing something and you need to learn it. I'm here for them. I'm not here for you. I'm still inviting you in, but I'm here for them. I'm here for them. That's mercy. This is my prescription for you. Go back to the book. Go back to the prophets. Read those verses. Understand what God is saying to you in them. I'm here for the sick and the wounded who need a doctor. I'm here to heal them. Because they need mercy. Now this phrase, I desire mercy, is crazy powerful. In the Hebrew, when it says, I desire, really means, I will have mercy. I will have it. Nothing else will be acceptable to me. No religious ordinance. No fake sacrifice. You can't give me enough. I will have mercy, Jesus is telling me. He says, there's a line in the sand. He says, I will have mercy. I'm the author of mercy. I will have it. I don't care what you do. I will have mercy. It's my choice. I will have mercy on these people. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's even, Jesus is just standing up strong for the, the people who are disenfranchised, people who are considered outcasts, people who are considered enemies. And he's saying, you know what? I came for these people. I came for these people. I came for this people. Who were once enemies of God. I will have mercy. And the Greek tense there, the Greek tense for that phrase is that it's almost like Jesus stood up, got real serious, and his voice changed, his tone changed, his frequency changed. And he said, I will have mercy. It was a declarative proclamation. It wasn't just Jesus saying, you know what? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Come on, you get it, right? No, he's saying, I will have it. Because I am it. I am mercy. It's the nature of my Father. 
who you, you see his level of mercy through me. You see his level of forgiveness through me, his level of love through me. I will have it because I am it. And no matter how many sacrifices you do, no matter how many laws that you have, they won't matter to me. But if you have mercy, you have my heart. See, sacrifice is important. Surrender is important. Jesus is not saying that. He's saying, though, if you have mercy, oh, sacrifice is not a problem. If you have mercy, surrender is not a problem. Because you have mercy, you have my heart. Because that's who I am. Is that beautiful? Is that beautiful? This is a small little story. But I love how there's still an invitation here for the the Pharisees to, to get it. And so what he does, he tells them, go back to the book. Go back to the scriptures. Go back to and read. This God that you say you love told you. Told you centuries ago. When I'm repeating to you now. Sacrifice. Forget it. If you don't have mercy. It won't work. I won't forgive your sins. Beautiful and powerful and wow. Disrupts the noise around them. I love the sound of Jesus' voice in this passage. I love the passion. I love the intensity. I love the tone. I love the frequency. I want to have this kind of frequency in my heart. More. More. I want to I want to mimic. I want to honor. I want to respect. I want to model. I want to be like Jesus in every capacity that I can. And I know I fail, just like everybody else that does. But this, this proclamation, I want to make more my own. That I will have mercy. Because I hear Jesus saying, hello, go back to the book. These are words of life. These are my words. I am the word of life. I am the word of life made flesh. No one ever spoke like Jesus. Because no one's ever listened like Jesus. Listen to the cries and the hurts and the pain of those who are on the outside, who are outcasts, who don't want to be, who people don't want to invite into anything, much less a sacred spot. Jesus says, all right, I'll go to them. I'll go to them. Because every place I go is sacred. Every place I go is sacred. Because I'm there. Every place I go is sacred. Every place I go, I bring mercy. Every place I go, I bring love. Every place I go, I bring forgiveness. Every place I go, I bring compassion because that's who I am. That's who my Father is. And every place you go, Because of who lives inside of you is sacred also. Never we bring the fragrance of God with us. Our voice is the sound that our life makes. Our voice is the sound that our life makes. What are we speaking about? What are we talking about? What are we 
saying without words. I want even my silence to say, I will have mercy. I want every opinion, every attitude, every thought process to be filled with that overwhelming statement of Jesus that I will have mercy over my own agenda, my own opinions, my own attitudes. Because there are people that he came for that were sick and diseased and hurt and bruised and broken and and tattered and tossed aside. And he says, these are the people I came for. And, And if you want to remember something, you were once one of them. And I am glad that Jesus, he, he, he drew a line and says, I'm going to have mercy on this one. I'm going to have mercy on this one because he needed mercy. And I still do need mercy. Because sometimes I hear, hello, hello. And I say, just a minute, God, I'm busy for you over here doing my Bible study. Just one minute. This sacrifice here is. You don't, you don't want that. You want mercy. You want mercy. Again, not that these things, are, they are important. Sermon prep is very important. It is, of course. But to show mercy to someone smaller than you, least than you, that's the heart of God. How does Jesus speak to us? He speaks with the words of our Father. Our Father. The voice of the good shepherd and with the sacred counselor himself, John fourteen twenty six. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Wow. I love this phrase. I will remind you. How deeply personal is that? How kind and generous it is of God that he will personally remind us. The creator of the universe, all-powerful, sovereign God, will remind us of his own words. Blows my mind how generous and kind and personal that is that God wants us to hear his voice. He desperately wants us to hear his voice. Because of the relational aspect of it. That phrase, that word for remind in the Greek means to remind quietly. To remind quietly. That is to put into the mind and to put it into our remembrance. I know there's always times where we, we might forget something. That we always have a hard time remembering certain details. I have a detail. I can't remember people's names. I've been that way since I was like seven. But isn't it good to know that the truth of who God is, the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of who we are in Christ, God will remind us of these truths. Constantly and consistently and quietly. I find that so kind of God that he would do this for us. So can I encourage you with this, that you do hear God's voice. 
and you can hear his his voice more.